Good morning, church family. Uh, good morning. My name's Derek. Glad that you're with us. And so one of the themes we're going to find in the book of Philippians is that we can bless the name of Jesus no matter the circumstance, right? That we can bless the name of Jesus, that we can find joy because of him no matter what we go through. So, But of course, when we open our Bibles... Uh, throughout our Bibles, uh, we have this metaphor uh, in our Bibles that when we look, when we consider the language of a race, of starting and finishing, the Bible is referring to our Christian life. Uh, many, many places, following Jesus, growing in Jesus, knowing him more and more, following him through our lives is compared to a race. And so look at the screen with me at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So this morning, as we continue here, our study in Philippians, um, I want us to first sort of think about where we're at, where are you individually, where are we as a church family in our race with Jesus, so to speak, in our Christian life, in our spiritual life, where are we in the, in the, in the, in the course of that race? Um, what I do uh, serving this church as pastor gives me opportunities day in and day out to have conversations with you, many of you who receive emails, uh, talk through things, and, uh, I, and, and it's a blessing for me and our other leaders to help you as you follow Jesus, to help you figure out where you're at in that race and what the next part of that race following Jesus looks like for you. Um, and so in these many conversations that I have frequently, and as I look around the room, we have people in so many different stages of their race with Jesus. Some of you um, need to step up to the starting line and know that God loves you and is pursuing you and wants you to become a Christian. Some of you need to step up to the starting line and surrender your life to Jesus and begin the Christian life. Uh, others of you feel like perhaps you have... Um, been, been walking with God, have you begun the race, but where is Jesus now? Will he still help me in the future? Is he, is he still going to be there like I've seen him in the past? Uh, some of you wonder, we sang that song, blessed be your name, no matter what the circumstances. And some of you wonder, is that even possible? Is it possible to find joy in following Jesus no matter what the circumstances of my life, the hard, the painful, the ups, the downs? Some of you are worried that you've messed up too much for Jesus to stay with you on the race. Some of you, um, perhaps you find yourself this morning going, there's no way God could love me. So I gotta try harder on my own strength. I gotta do more. I gotta match up. I gotta be a good person. I gotta do this certain thing. And, and perhaps there's some here this morning where we've had times in life where we're running the race strong, but now we find ourselves falling in the ditch and tempted to quit the race. 
But Hebrews 12.2 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Looking to Jesus. Now look at this. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The cross is the center of where we talk about the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God has made a way for sinners like you and me to be back in relationship with a holy and perfect God. The gospel is the good news that you and I can have new life now and eternal because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we look to Jesus, who is both author and perfecter, who endured to the cross for you and me. And what we see there, when we think of author and perfecter, or founder and perfecter, Jesus is the author, the founder of our faith, because at the cross, his death and resurrection made it possible for us to be rescued. Are you with me? He started, he founded, he authored our salvation. And yet, in, as we go into today's passage, when we get to Philippians in just a moment, you're going to see too, we're going to be reminded that he's also the perfecter of our faith, the continuer, the finisher of our faith. And this is a theme of the book of Philippians. As we study in the coming weeks the book of Philippians, we're going to see that God desires for us to have gospel progress for the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done to cause us to have progress in our life. There will be spiritual growth. There will be spiritual progress, gospel progress, because of what Jesus has done. So hope you have your Bible. Open to Philippians chapter 1. If you have a Bible with you, we'd love you to bring your Bibles. You can use it on your phone. You can have a paper copy like I do. Open it to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 3 in just a moment here. And as you turn to Philippians chapter 1, let me just remind us of where we are. Last week, we, we studied from Acts 16, kind of the beginnings of this church at a city called Philippi. And so this letter that's called Philippians is a letter written to the people, the followers of Jesus at this town called Philippi. Right? And so in Acts, Acts chapter 16 last week, we found Paul and his buddies arriving in Philippi to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to tell others what Jesus had done. And as a result of God working in this town, a new church family was formed. As people began to follow Jesus, a new church family was formed in Philippi. And so now, this letter to the Philippians that you hold in your hand in your Bible this letter was written by the Apostle Paul 10 years later. He had started this church. These people had begun following Jesus. These dear people became a new church. And he loved them. And he's writing to them 10 years later from prison. He's been, Paul has been imprisoned um, in Rome. And he's writing this letter to them. So if you're there in your Bibles, let's keep our fingers in the text. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all are making, uh, for, I, uh, sorry, I'm going to go back. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then check out verse six. 
Paul writes, and I am sure of this. Now, there's Paul writing. I'm going to stop for a second. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this. But we believe this to be God's word. God's word to us, written by the Spirit of God, carrying along the humans that put pen to paper, so to speak. And so Paul writes, I am sure of this. That he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. This is our key thought for today, friends. Paul has a confident hope because God works start to finish. This is our key thought for today, is that God works start to finish. We saw this in our Hebrews verse that was on the screen. Jesus is both founder and perfecter. We sang a song earlier that Jesus is our lighthouse and he takes us safe to shore. He gets us there, start to finish. And so part of our celebration this morning that God works start to finish is this, that we need to know that salvation is a process that God effects from beginning to end. Aren't you glad that your faith that your security, that your salvation is God's work and not yours? I am very thankful that this is what God's working in my life and that our salvation, that our ongoing faith is not dependent on my own efforts. Our salvation is a process that God affects from start to finish. Another aspect of this God working start to finish is this, that our salvation has past, present, and future implications. What do I mean by this? Our salvation has past, present, and future aspects. I don't think we think of our salvation, of our, of our being rescued by God through Jesus in this, these terms very often. So here's what I mean. When I say that our salvation, our being rescued by God has past aspects, past tense aspects, that's what we most often think about when we think about our salvation. We think back to a point in time where we said, I, and we tell the story and we say, I was, past tense, I was saved. With me so far? So what we often refer to here is when we think about our salvation is this past tense aspect, that we were stuck in sin and darkness Look at the verse on the screen, Colossians 1.13. We were stuck in sin and darkness, and God rescued us, forgave us, made us new, and brought us into the kingdom of God. That, that is our salvation, the, the past tense aspects of our salvation. Gloriously true. Light, darkness to light, death to life. But our salvation has present tense aspects as well. This is what we, uh, there's a, a fancy theological term, sanctification, uh, our ongoing transformation, our present tense salvation. Instead of saying, I was saved, this would be more the, I am being saved. As I follow Jesus, I am being saved. I am being transformed. I am being made new. Romans 8.29 reminds us that God is working in us to make us more and more like his son Jesus. Our salvation has past implications, present ongoing implications, and 
future implications. We say, I was saved, I am being saved, and we can also say, I will be saved. My salvation will come to fruition fully. Be, I will be glorified, be completely transformed. That process that's happening now will be finished. 1 John 3, 2 says, we know that when Jesus returns, when he appears, when he comes again, we, this is mind-boggling, that we shall be like him because we see him as he is. I was saved, past tense. I am being saved now because of God's work. And someday when Jesus returns, that process, my faith, that salvation process will be completed and I will be like Jesus. Fully the image, the image of God in us, fully realized. So God works in our lives start to finish. And our salvation is a gift from God that he works out beginning to end. So let me check with you. If you are in Christ, if you this morning, seated here at Faith Church in 2018, are in Christ, you have given your life to following Jesus. You have surrendered to him, realizing I can't do it on my own. I don't match up to God's standard, I need help. We give our lives to Jesus. We trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for salvation, for rescue, for new life. If you are in Christ, then I want you to know that God works start to finish. That he is author and perfecter. That if you are in Jesus, he is creator of your faith, sustainer of your faith, and finisher of your faith. It's not up to you on your own strength. God fulfills his purposes. He finishes what he starts. He is a God who is at work, and God works start to finish. And where are we going to see an example of this? I want, to, I want us to consider our own lives in a moment, but let's see an example of this. There's a great example of God's work start to finish in a life, in a person's life, right among the Philippians themselves. So we're going to look back at that part of the story we talked about last week in Acts chapter 16, when Paul first came to the town of Philippi, and he first proclaimed the good news of Jesus... And it says that one of the people that first heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, was this woman named Lydia. And the Bible tells us in Acts 16, verse 14, the Lord opened her heart. I think we have this for the screen. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Because of God's work, people respond. He who began a good work, God began a good work in Lydia. He opened her heart to receive, to hear the good news that Paul was telling about. This is, so there, we have this indicator that, that Lydia's race with Jesus is underway. She's, she's started into the race of following Jesus, of giving her life to Jesus. And then we have indication in the next verse that this good work in her life continues. The next verse uh, also on the screen says, after Lydia was baptized. Now remember what baptism is. Is, it ba is baptism what saves you? 
No, when we get dunked in the water, that is not why we are saved. Lydia was saved because God opened her heart to receive and follow Jesus. But then, because of God's continuing work in her, because he who began a good work in her will carry it on to completion, she knew that part of that process would be to proclaim publicly, I am a follower of Jesus, and she was obedient unto baptism, proclaiming publicly that she was a follower of Jesus. So it says, after she was baptized, she urged us, Paul and his friends, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Uh, Some of us, perhaps me, would be more inclined to do this, like, Oh, awesome. Thanks, Paul and friends. That's really good news. I find I follow Jesus. I'm saved. Woo! See you later. See you later. I'm going to take care of myself now. I'm going to keep my home real private and comfortable for me. I'm not too worried about you and what you're doing and uh, what, what, what else you need to do in telling other people about this good news. So, hey, thanks for the good news. Peace. But that's not what Lydia does. Lydia says, because she has been saved, past tense, and because she is being saved, she says, come to my house and stay. Hospitality, showing practical support for the gospel, the spread of the gospel. Uh, Hospitality is very others-focused, and what comes most naturally to you and me is not others-focused. So an, a, an indicator of gospel progress in our lives is when we become others-focused. And Lydia is opening her home to others because she's thinking of others before herself and because she recognizes that the spread of the gospel, the good news of Jesus going further than just her, is dependent on God using her to help Paul and his friends continue their mission. Does that make sense? So she offers to support them, to bring them into her house to help with the mission because Lydia is an example of, he, of the fact that God begins a good work in us and he will bring it on to completion. So we need to talk this morning. We need to ask ourselves this morning, do we see this kind of gospel progress in our own lives? We see the gospel at work in Lydia's life. She was saved. She is being saved. And someday Jesus will finish, complete that salvation process. Do I see the gospel continuing to make progress in my life? Or am I in the same spot I was years ago following Jesus? Do you see this section, you, you, each of you, do you see Gospel progress in your life. If you are in Christ, if you have given your life to following Jesus, he will carry it on to completion. And so there will be gospel progress. We will continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We will continue to be transformed from the inside out. We will be made new. We will be given a new heart, new mind, a new attitude, new way of thinking, being others focused and serving Jesus with our life through our words and our actions and on and on and on. Do I see that kind of gospel progress in my life?
in a race, we're not done until we get to where? In a race, we're not done until we get to the finish line. And in the Christian life, the finish line is our earthly death or the return of Jesus, whichever comes first. Let's hope it's the return of Jesus. But in our Christian life, in our spiritual life, in our following Jesus, the finish line is our earthly death or Jesus' return. And if that's the case, don't we need to quit treating the starting line of the Christian faith as if it's the finish line? Too often in following Jesus, we recognize our need, we fall short of the glory of God. We're a disaster, we're broken, we're hurt, we're, we're a mess, we're sinners. We look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We step across the starting line by entrusting ourselves to Jesus, being made new. Past tense salvation has occurred. I was saved. But do we accidentally make the starting line also our finish line? Does it sound like a very good race to step across the starting line? I'm running for Jesus in this life. I've been saved. I've been rescued. I'm stepping across the starting line, and now I'm going to jog in place. Is that a very good racer? I'm not a runner, but I don't think we're supposed to start the stop, start across uh, the start line and then jog in place. And the reason. I want you to think about that is because I am mean this with my whole heart that Jesus has more for you and I between here and the finish line. Jesus has so much more for you. So much more that he wants to do in and through you between here, wherever you are now in the race and the finish line. Don't jog in place. We've said for weeks and weeks, followers of Jesus do what? Followers of Jesus do what? Then it's nonsense to claim to be saved and go into a holding pattern. Followers of Jesus do what? Then claiming to be saved, claiming to be a follower of Jesus, but jogging in place is nonsense. It's impossible, I'll say. Because he who begins a good work in you carries it on into completion. So step across the starting line, some of you. Give your life to Jesus because you're a mess on your own. And now at least in the mess, you'll have Jesus with you. And then don't jog in place. Claiming to be saved without continuing to follow Jesus is not the way it works. Because God works start to finish. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What, big, uh, what God began in Lydia, he continues and he will complete. What God started in those of you that have trusted in Christ, he will finish it. He will carry it forward and complete that transformation someday. And as God, if that's true, as God carries us forward and in transformation, as our lives are being transformed, as God is finishing what he started, what will our lives look like? What do our lives look like? 
What fruit, what evidence will overflow from our lives? What will people around you see from your life, from your words and your actions, from your heart, soul, mind, and strength? What will people around you see that is evidence of God's continuing work to completion? I think there's two things from our passage this morning that are evidence of God's working in our lives. There's two things I think we get from Paul's letter to the Philippians, our few verses that we're looking at this morning. I think there's two things that are evidence that God is continuing to work in us. Let's look again, uh, read again with me, starting again at verse 3. I thank, Paul writes to the Philippians, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all of you, making my prayer with joy. Because, why is he happy? Why does he have joy? Why is he writing to them this letter? One of the reasons he's writing to them, verse 5, is because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And when we get to chapter 4 of Philippians, we're going to see in more detail that one of the reasons Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians is because they have partnered with him in gospel ministry by supporting financially the work that God is doing him in and through his friends. So one of the many reasons he's writing this letter of encouragement and of joy and of thankfulness for them is because they have partnered with him in the gospel. And so certainly when we think of partnership in the gospel, it definitely would include other things besides money. Partnership in the gospel would be supporting Paul and his friends on this mission, um, having the right attitude toward the spread of the gospel. We can be partners in gospel, uh, as we support and, and, and want God's word to spread to all corners of the earth. But Paul's words elsewhere, but Paul's words elsewhere in the New Testament and in chapter four of Philippians, as I mentioned, indicate in this case that what he's talking about is that he's particularly thankful for their participation in the gospel through very practical support, through their hospitality and through their financial giving, supporting the work of God through Paul and his friends financially. Paul's journeys around that part of the world, starting new churches, encouraging new churches, Paul's journeys required funding, required support, required hospitality. And that's true in our church family too. The missionaries, the, the, the people that we send out to every corner of the earth to proclaim the good news of Jesus require funding. We have staff people, including myself, in our church family because you have generously given to support and free me to give my time fully to serving our church family. So our church, too, has these things that are, are, are a blessing and are necessary and require funding. And the ministries that we enjoy to teach one another the gospel and to share the gospel in our community, these ministries uh, require resources to make them possible. So I would ask you, if this is your church family, if you're committed to this, this church, to ask uh, God and ask for God's direction in how you might be a part of partnership in the gospel of what he is doing in and through our church. When the New Testament talks about giving, and there's a verse on the screen, there's many verses, but when the New Testament speaks of giving, of our finances, the emphasis in the New Testament is things like this cheerfulness. We don't give because we're forced to, because Pastor Derek just said we're running behind. and We give because 
we're, we're, we're generous. We give out of cheerful hearts. We get out of, give out of thankfulness for what God has done. When we read the New Testament about giving, we th- hear things like generously, sacrificially. And from our passage today in Philippians, uh, Paul thanks them for their partnership in the gospel. Listen to this. From the first day until now. I love that. He's thankful to the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The Philippians have been consistent in their partnership, in their support for the gospel. And so, you know, sometimes we, we, when we gather on Sunday mornings, some people wonder, you know, why do we pass offering bags? Why is this part of our celebration on Sunday mornings? It's uh, not just to pad my wallet. I don't have a Ferrari fund, okay? It's not going directly to me or anyone else. When we give uh, generously, sacrificially, cheerfully into the offering bags on Sunday mornings, it supports the work that God is doing in and through our church family. We pass offering bags um, not, not for any strange reason. We take extra care with your money and make sure it goes where it's supposed to go and that it's supporting what God wants for this church family. Uh, we pass bags because that's just one way that we worship a great God out of thankfulness for what he's done for us. We pass bags on Sunday morning because that's one way, just one of many, that you can partner in the gospel. Okay? So that's the first evidence I see in this passage of, of continuing to grow in Christ, is Paul thanking the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel. All right, let's read just a few more verses. Back into Philippians here. Now I'm at verse 7. And we're going to see another evidence, I think, as we see what Paul prays for them. As, as, as we read these verses, it's really a prayer of Paul for these followers of Jesus in Philippi. And I think part of it will show us another evidence of growing in Jesus. Verse 7. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with affection of Jesus. So it's because of Paul's love for them, because Paul feels so connected to them, like like a pastor to his church family, like me to you, because of what God has given me to do, because I love you and want to care for you and want to be used by God to support you in gospel progress. Then Paul writes these words out of that heart, verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul, writing to the Philippians, knowing that God began a good work in the Philippians, knowing that Jesus is the founder of their faith, Paul then prays, for the ongoing aspects, the present tense aspects of their salvation. Paul's prayer here is is knowing that Jesus has founded their faith. He's praying in trust that Jesus will finish their faith. And specifically, one of the things we see Paul pray for is in verse 9 there. Paul prays that our love will abound more and more. 
What does abounding love, what does of love more and more from our lives look like? Um, our growing in, in Jesus, our following Jesus, our continuing to be transformed into his image will result, will result in love for others. Our ongoing growth in following Jesus and increased love for our great God will result because of God's work in your life in growing love for others. And so we can start with fellow followers of Jesus, the ones sitting right near you and around you and a few rows back and a few rows in front. We can start with fellow followers of Jesus. Are we asking God to increase our love for one another? As a church family who gathers together each Sunday and hopefully more often, are we asking God to give us increased love for one another? Can you look around the room or think of others that are in our church family and honestly say that you have love abounding, overflowing from your life for all of them? Some of them, easy. Some of you are just easy to love. <laughs> and for each of you, some of your fellow followers of Jesus are easy to love. But can you look around your church family? Can you look around to other followers of Jesus that you interact with that are here or not here and honestly say that you have abounding love for them? Perhaps not everyone. What's stopping that? What's gotten in the way? What has put an obstacle between you and the continuing work of salvation that God wants to do in you, that your increasing love for him would result in increasing love for others, starting with our fellow followers of Jesus. What's getting in the way of that? Do you have something that you need to take care of, address, talk frankly about, that would put you back in a position where you could gain or regain a loving relationship with fellow followers of Jesus. You know why this is critical? It would be so much easier to, not, to skip that step, wouldn't it? It'd be so much easier to just continue loving the ones around us that are easy to love. And it'd be so much easier to skip the step of asking God to create in us abounding love for one another. But I got to tell you why this is so critical and so dear to my heart about what I want to ask God to do in and through Faith Church moving forward into 2018 and beyond. This is so near and dear to what I want us to ask God for Faith Church to be all about. Why should we not skip that step? Because in John 13, verse 35, Jesus himself says that the lost, broken, and hurting people around you, the people that you know in your family and coworkers and fellow students and friends that are apart from Christ and destined for hell, Jesus himself says about them that those people will know you are his followers. How? By your love for one another. So it's critical that we ask God to help us 
to grow in abounding love for one another. Because as you and I, as you and you, as you and you, as she and the person across the aisle, as so-and-so in the back and -and so-and-so in the front row, as you interact with one another in love, a lost and hurting and far from Jesus world will see that you are followers of Jesus. And Jesus is going to use that to love them and help them come to know saving faith through Jesus. Because he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Father God, we need you so much. Father in heaven, we lift our eyes to you now. Help us to run with endurance this race that you have set before us. God, Father in heaven, help us to lift our eyes to Jesus this morning, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Father in heaven, as your children, as your followers, as those who have been rescued from sin and death, we praise you. God, would you catch us with that right now? God, would you help us to not just recite prayer or listen to prayer? But God, would you help us to recognize that as your children who have been rescued from sin and death, we praise you and we thank you for beginning a good work in us. And so God, I pray for any in the room who who still need you. I pray that you would um, help them to give their lives to you, to step across the starting line, so to speak, and, and put their trust in Jesus for salvation. And God, we thank you for the hope that we have because you finish what you start. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection make him the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you that what you began in us, you will bring to completion. And so, Father, would you help us to lean into you? Would you help us to continue to seek you as you transform us, as you make us new, as you give us a new heart, new mind, new attitude. We want to follow you, Father, in every area of life, not just some. We want to follow you on every day of the week, not just some. We want to follow you and abound your love through us in every relationship, not just some. So, Father, as we grow in following you, as we grow in obeying your commands, as we live out our faith, we pray that others would experience your love through us. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who works start to finish. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.